Hello and welcome to the Business Class Lounge, the podcast where I interview marketing leaders and executives to understand how they really think about leadership, management, finance, and more. This is a podcast from Searchpilot. My name is Will Critchlow. Today, I hope you're as excited as I am to hear from Brian Provost. Brian has as deep an understanding of news and media SEO as anyone in the world, worked at Define Media Group with many of the largest media properties globally, and then ran search strategy at CBS Interactive and Viacom CBS. Since May 2022, he's GM for all of search and SEO at Yahoo, which is a huge job. But if anyone can do it, he can. The work's exciting, but as you'll hear, there are a few areas where I believe Brian is head and shoulders above pretty much everyone I've met, and I'm excited to find out how he does them. you so much for joining me today. Really looking forward to this conversation. I uh, love catching up with you. And I really, first off, actually just want to hear about kind of what you're up to, because it sounds really interesting. GM at Yahoo. Tell us what that means. Yeah, good to see you again, buddy. It's been a while. You you hit it, man. I'm the uh, general manager of search at Yahoo. So that comprises all of our search products, the search engine that uh, goes back 20 some odd years at this point a number of our external search-supported services to partners around the world on every surface, and also still have the SEO team that rolls into me to help generate a media audience from other sources. So that's the uh, the bullet points for, for what I'm doing now. have a ton of fun. Been here about six months at this point, so still getting the lay of the land, but uh, off and running as we you know finally uh, get to re-envision, reassert the Yahoo brand after years of, you know I think, probably being under-invested in. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what intrigued me most about it, actually, was thinking, this is a big job, big ask. And I'm fascinated to hear your vision and also the vision that brought you in. What was the pitch? What did they say to get you excited that this was something that you want to take on? Yeah, the pitch was the easiest part. So uh, Jim Lanzone is our CEO over here. And, and I've known Jim for 15 years or so, more, maybe more. And many of the search people that are listening to this would know Jim going all the way back to well, heck, even eTour in the early, early internet days, but then Ask Jeeves, which became Ask, uh, as he ran that search engine. And, you know, Jim's always been really close to search and, and, and knows a lot of us. And I had the opportunity when I left to find Media Group to come over to CBS when Jim was running CBSI and Chief Digital Officer at CBS. We built a really big search audience over there. I mean, I think it was a second biggest in the U.S. Uh, when we, you know, CBS News, CBS Sports, the CNET group. We had a huge search audience. It was high quality. You know, Jim and I just both have, a, I think, a passion for search. So when he was anointed the CEO of Yahoo, it was, um, you know, called, hey, buddy, I think we're going to do something big over here. We've got uh, a lot of, of brand value. The Yahoo search name still travels well. Let's let the inmates run the asylum a little bit over here and, and get some search people back on a search engine, which frankly doesn't happen a lot. So no, I think we're really excited about it. I, I always joke that when he suggested that that's what I would do over here, that we both started giggling. It was an exciting opportunity to really rethink something that is one of the seminal internet brands, still has a ton of scale. And uh, let's try to refresh, rethink the product as a modern search entity and, and all that that could mean. So it was, it was a really exciting opportunity, certainly one where you're on center stage really quickly and uh, man, I'm having a really good time. I love the image of the pair of you giggling over the opportunity. Yeah. You mentioned we've kind of, what well, both of us have been around the industry for a little while now. And 
obviously these kind of moves make waves and, and people have had conversations and everybody's kind of like, huh, yeah. Well, if anybody's going to do it, I guess VP is. And uh, I'm certainly excited to see where that goes. On that subject, so one of the reasons I was so keen to speak to you in this forum is there are two things. So I'm sure there are many things you're good at, but there are two things that over the years have stood out to me where you're head and shoulders above anybody else I can think of in the industry. The second one, we'll save for a little bit later, people can, can keep listening and, and find out what that is. But the first one is that I think you are exceptional at understanding and communicating the value of organic search and the value of SEO to all kinds of stakeholders. And you've always been, I think, great at getting people paid, <laughs> encouraging people to know their worth, great at getting the budgets you need to scale out those teams, and obviously getting the results that, that go with that. But specifically that communicating part, you've been like bullish on that value and great at explaining. Where does that come from? I don't know. I've also thought that's actually one of the, the easiest parts. And, you know, it's hard to argue against the value of organic search when it's done well. It's high intent, high volume. I mean, it, when we even look at the global macroeconomic conditions now, which are softening, search is always the one that holds up the best, right? It's, it's, it's the last of the budgets to go, if at all. You know, it's the last of the investments to go, again, if at all. It's really hard to argue against somebody actively searching in a high intent, probably close to bottom of the funnel mindset of whatever you're servicing, whether it's content, product, you know, services, whatever. It's really hard to argue against that. So you have a tailwind to start with, right? You're not coming in and trying to sell something that makes no sense or is a total reach. Sure. But that tailwind probably does mean more service than anything. But I think I've always had kind of a, a good group of mentors and friends on, on the business side that have kind of coached me up and said, hey, here's, here's how to think about things, or how, to, how the decisions are going to be made, how things are going to be budgeted, and you know how do you build consensus around that? So I think I've been brought along well in that regard. And I've also always felt like at the end of the day, search is a scorecard for everything else that happens in a company, right? You can't just be a link builder. You can't just be a content producer. You can't just be good on the monetization side. You know, when you search for something, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a scoreboard of who's doing all those things great. So I think the last thing that would help me in that is I think I've always been pretty good at taking that message, rallying everybody around it, letting them understand their slice of, of that pie or what impacts they can have to against all that, and then getting the whole team rallied around it. And we've been pretty successful at most of these places that we've been in. So, you know, it may take a village to get these things done. And I think maybe I've done okay at getting the village to do what we need. We were trying to remember, I think we originally met roughly around the time you joined Defy Media back in the day, over a decade ago. And um, yeah, we've, we've obviously both kicked around the industry, as we said. Since then, you've been able to kind of really curate where you've worked. So you, you've obviously picked very carefully and done things where there's been these huge opportunities. Define was really interesting to me, uh, still is interesting. The way I've always thought of it is, and I think it was kind of described this way by you and, and Marshall and everyone, was almost like the law firm model, right? You, you were kind of partners, essentially, with your own book of business and bringing in business and then operating in that super high value focused way. But I guess, probably, I'm guessing, but the flip side of doing kind of consulting work is you have to work with a much broader set of clients and you, know, you must have seen a broad range of different levels of understanding, different levels of valuing search, all of those kind of things. And so what are your kind of best tips and tricks and advice for bringing folks on that journey who maybe, I mean, it's hard to argue against the value, but maybe aren't taking that to the next level and investing in it in the way that they could and they should. Yeah, I think one of the things that we did best, and, and I look back on those defined years just 
is super formative in a lot of ways. Like we get, we got a lot of looks at a lot of different business models, right. And a lot of different teams and types. And I, I would encourage anybody at a high level to, you know, always take advantage of the consulting side. You know, I think a lot of us jump back and forth from consulting and in-house. And I think there's a ton of value in being both sides of the table and learning it. But the thing that we also did really well over there is we were really good educators. You know, we always went from a, you know, I call it the special forces model now, where it's, you know, you parachute in with a a dozen folks and take over a country. Can't do that by yourself, right? You have to work with, you know, in that case, the indigenous population, but in our case, the indigenous stakeholders in a business or or whatever, the entity, you have to educate law firms with them and provide value, show them value, show them, you know, interest, intensity, and understanding. And over time, those reps build you know, confidence, understanding, and then you get the knowledge transferred, you know, and we can talk to the C-suite all day long and get them super excited, but nothing really happens until it moves throughout the line. And as, as educators first in that regard, we got these teams strong and they would, you know, it was out of muscle memory uh, at the end of the day. And, you know, it's the most resilient model as well. Because after we leave, like we, we were frankly working ourselves out of a job from day one. We say that, but ironically, we were, most of our clients had been around for five to seven years so trying to work yourself out of a job yeah if you're doing it right i mean that's really intent like you, you know you'll, you'll know you've done well when you don't have to be there or you're working on different things uh which is kind of the dovetail on that is once we got in like we never let them think of us as just hey we're here to you know rearrange some title tags we did not want to be that level of seo we, we were very much invested in the business side pretty early invested you know both at the operator level and at the business level extended it into more digital strategy than pure SEO and ranking. I mean, that's that's a portion of it. But like, even to be good at that, like I said, you have to be good at all the other facets from tech to marketing to content production. They're finding all those efficiencies across an entire organization. I think we really did well at that. And just it helps align everybody very, very early on. Yeah, I think what well, the proof is in the pudding. You can, you can see those results with the organizations you work with and, and with the goodwill that goes around the industry when folks got to work with you. I think that education piece is really key because Certainly what I've ever seen working with, particularly editorial teams, which I know is your, your kind of bread and butter, is they've often had a bad experience before they're speaking to you. And, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're writing for robots now or something even worse. And turning that corner can be the really challenging part. So that's kind of downwards into the operator level. But when you're interfacing with management and leadership, a lot of folks, although they, they get the value of the channel, they, they struggle with the, I guess, the financial modeling side and the attribution side and all of those kind of things, because it doesn't operate like you know, the kind of coin-operated machine that folks are often used to, especially because a lot of leadership comes from the media side. So I've often kind of thought about that difference between an expense and an investment, but it's obviously like any other investment comes with its risks. Have you had any good kind of mental models for how to get folks to build out business plans or investment strategies based on the kind of the specifics of the channel? Because it is, you know, it's unpredictable and it's, it behaves differently. Yeah, no, it's like first thing I think you got to do is, is one, again, establish the high intent, like the, the audience you, know, you bring or the customers you bring are, are going to be the highest converting, almost always the highest converting segment they have. So let's just set the stage and understand that like this is something that you're going to want to invest in. But also you got to give them a, a reasonable timeline on that, right? So it's, you know, organic search is frankly like trying to turn an aircraft carrier. It's not something that happens as immediately as a paid search or, you know, other you know, D2C models uh, or direct models. So you've got to establish a reasonable timeline because if they think it's going to happen tomorrow, it's not. And then you got to start again showing them, you know, how it integrates into the broader strategy and how, frankly, organic search can just be a yield on all these other things happening well and in concert and thinking, you know, 
about the facets and the yields of all of these other individual actions all roll in and have kind of a secondary effect on organic search as well. So they get really excited really quickly when they said, hey, you know, you have this thing that's super high margin contributing, you know, a real volume of users. Okay, that's the easiest sale in town. But then they'll say that, hey, you know, you're giving our editorial teams more focus, you know, and you're giving our users a much better experience when you bring them in in a, in a reasonable way. That's the other thing is like, again, if you're just going to be the title tag crew and just, you know, trying to get things to rank, you might get some audience or some customers into the funnel, but they're not going to do anything. When you're working with all the other you know, components of, of a business, they're coming in high intent. They'll stick around. They'll become loyal users. So again, for us, it was much more of a, a user experience, more comprehensive pitch than, hey, you're going to see traffic go up 10% from organic search or, or 100% or whatever. I mean, it, it always does. That's why we never let ourselves get pigeonholed on the consulting side because we were impacting all sorts of parts of the business. So again, easy sale at the top of the day to get you in the door with the executives. You start convincing you know, the product level folks that, hey, you're not here just to make this interesting for robots or whatever. You're there to, to compound the, the user experience, your journey. You know, the tech people are usually happy that you're aligned on, hey, we want things to be fast, render well, consistent, all those things. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I always felt it was much easier sell for me to walk in the door and, and offer our services than folks that were trying to you know, crank out another point of margin on something that is just less interesting or more of a risk. The only risk on organic search is, frankly, timeline. Yeah. You mentioned not getting sucked into being that kind of tactical title tag person. And, and there's always a danger of that, I think. And I've always enjoyed the much more strategic lens as well and trying to see how all of those things in concert go together. Over the years, it can be fun to learn the new tactical details, but I also have had a lot of fun learning the, whether it be organizational stuff, leadership, management, whatever it might be. What are you excited to be learning about these days? I'm guessing as you move into this kind of new role, you've had a deluge of things you've had to learn. What are you excited about? Where are you learning from? I'm learning a lot. You know, just when you think you feel like you've done something for a long time, you're comfortable with it, you realize that you know, there's all sorts of things that uh, things you haven't attended to in a while. There's new components, things evolve all the time. But for an organization of our size and all the, the array of products that we have, I've spent six months, frankly, just going back to school on, on the fundamentals of each one of them, right? Like I, I know what they all are, but I've always felt, and I think you and I, a long time ago, talked about, like, we both like basketball. Am, am I right on that one? You are right on that, yeah. Okay, I want to make sure I remember that correctly. So for me, I've always felt like the really effective sports teams, particularly in basketball, are the ones that master the fundamentals, right? Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of flashy stuff you can do, but the winners, the high-achieving organizations are the ones that do the fundamentals best, right? So I'm going back at a fundamental level, making sure I'm strong on each one of the components, you know, whether it's just building a good search engine, but what does that really mean in terms of, you know, what features, analytics, product components we bring in? You know, we've got the external distribution, which is like, hey, we'll do, you know, we, we power a lot of other search entities. We've got, you know, deals with like Apple and platforms like that. It's like, I'm having to learn distribution again, right? You know, I've been on the other side of the table for forever, but like, what's it really sure. mean to power distribution and an array of formats and, you know, deal complexities and things like that. So. I'm having a lot of fun doing that. Hopefully not too much of a burden on my teams. But yeah, I mean, it's just going back and, you know, we, we all know these things, but to, to be really, really good at them, you got to be strong on the fundamentals and you got to make sure everybody else around you is strong on the fundamentals. I'm very excited to see where that goes. And just the size of the prize here is immense, isn't it? I mean, I, I forget the stats of what every fraction of a percent of market share, you know, the search market is worth, but um, it's obviously got a lot of zeros in that number. Yeah. Is there anything that, 
you're able to share publicly about any of the roadmap or the vision or how you're thinking about attacking that problem? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. My favorite soundbite and what was really compelling to me early on as I was, was considering doing this, which was about five minutes of consideration, is every point of market share is worth a billion, billion, two dollars at the end of the day annually. So it doesn't take a ton of market share to have a really good business, which is where I think where you are now. We've low single digits of market share globally, yeah. but at that scale, you have a several billion dollar business to work with. You know, we think again that the Yahoo brand opens a lot of doors for me, right? Mm-hmm. It travels well, better than I would have anticipated. And I'm surprised by it every day. I'm so very thankful for it. But for us to go back out and be where we want to be, we've got to take a product that was essentially put in cruise control. It was a, it was a high value cash generator for the business and, and the business owners over the years. And they looked at it that way. It's like, how do we protect that? Jim, myself, the team now are more growth oriented with that same strong base to work of. It's like, what does a, a modern use of the Yahoo search brand look like, both internally and externally? And I feel like there's probably not been you know too many folks outside of those of us in the industry that have just spent this much time in the search for, again, you know, you and I go way back on this, mm-hmm. almost you know, a few decades. But to, for all the, the array of, of entities, users, use cases, what does a good SERP look like? What does a good experience look like? How does that dovetail into, you know, how does that fit into the broader portfolio of things that we offer at Yahoo. We need to get back and be what you know I think Yahoo started out being, which is a good product company. Right. So and I think, you know, having worked with Jim previously, it's like we very much looked at things as let's have a portfolio of not just good brands, but those have those good brands have to come from a, a good product position. So my goal and the team's goal, frankly, is like you know, as, as we keep moving through here is like one, let's build products that resonate now, that are, are meaningful now deliver them appropriately, but also get to the point where we can credibly say, hey, come take a look at this again. Like we never have a problem saying that because because we're Yahoo. It's seven yeah. internet brand. Just about everybody knows it. We got almost a billion users worldwide. But how do I say that to really get that like, oh you know, I'm gonna go back, check out Yahoo. How am I going to look at that and want to stay there, right? I can bring them in from one query. But as we know, searches, you know, you, if, if you're searching at any point in the day, you might be making 20, 30 different types of searches across an array of types. And we got to be deep on all those, right? So the challenge, I think, for me is to create an environment where we can be comprehensive across the board. There's going to be certain areas where we really focus on, which lend themselves to our current audience, but also, you know, topics and new audiences where we think that we can jump back into the market more credibly. But it all starts with credible products. And you know, that's where the early investment is going to be for me. Is, you know, I don't want to be sitting next to somebody on a plane and ask them to, you know, you, you, know you, do, you do the thing on the plane. It's like, hey, what do you do? What do you know, here's what I do. You should check out what I do. Give us a few months here. And I think you're going to start seeing a different experience than if you'd asked us that question a year ago. And that's what I hope to deliver to the marketplaces. And here's the reason why, you know, Yahoo's differentiated and why you should use that as your primary search utility or be in the conversation of the utilities you use to search across the board. And it all starts with good product. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And you're, I mean, you're absolutely right with the, the brand equity tied up in that place where, which did come from product originally. And it is fascinating how slowly that declines during the cash cow years. You know, I mean, I, I don't have access. To, I'm sure you have all of the kind of research and the numbers and, and everything else, but it does feel like there's still a chunk of goodwill around and just a general feeling tied up to the times when the product led the way. And 
I think. Well, yeah, as I said, it's going to be certainly interesting to, to see where that goes. I'm going to pivot a little bit, and we've, we've been talking SEO and, and product and, and your current job. Let's get back to what I promised. The second thing that I think of when I think of your work is the strengths of the teams and the people that you've had around you through that journey. And you've been one of the very few people I've seen where folks have changed jobs to move with you as you've moved your role around, even within organizations, and they, they've, they've moved you know, to your team. And it's happened repeatedly. And I know very, very few people who have that. I think it's rare in any industry, but I, I can't think of really anyone else who, who's had that pull. And that's a superpower, I feel like. You know, people are everything. So what, from your side, what do you hear when you're talking to those folks who've worked with you for a long time or in, in multiple different roles? Why do they do that? Why do they stick around? Why do they enjoy working with you? I don't know. I'm blessed by having that. Even as I look at my team today, there's people that have been with me for a while and have, have made this jump with me. And I don't know. I mean, I, it's one of those things where it's like you think you're good at some things, but I hope what I can do at a high level is carve out opportunities for them that are exciting. Not just, hey, you know, we, we all, you know, we can pull a good check these days, right? It's not, you know, we're, we all got to that point. But these folks are so talented, they could pull a good check anywhere. But I think what I always try to do is carve out a space for them to be good at what they are, right? Not putting, you know, square pegs and square holes, but like, hey, I trust you. Your organization trusts you. We'll make these investments. Go do what you do. And I think at least maybe I've been a good shield over the years for them to, to have the space to do that. Mm. I'm not going to lie, it's easy when you have relationships with all these senior executives. It's, and that's maybe part of the skill set too, is I've always had pretty good relationships with the senior executives or leaders of these entities as well. And the trust they have in me becomes trust they have in the team that I come with. But I just, I just hope that people feel like, hey, they've had some fun. And they've had fun because they're allowed to do what they're best at. And you'd have to ask them for, for the rest of that. Uh, I just know that's important to me. It's, and we're doing it right now. We're like in a big you know, promotion cycle and on the edge of a, of a reorg as we consolidated things over here into my group. And it's just like, as we think about how we line up, I just, I just want everybody to have a path forward that makes sense for them. At the end of the day, you know, you can try to put up numbers and, you know, get to the next paycheck for some people. It's just, it's, but it can't be that. It has to be like, at the end of the journey, when they put you in the ground or whatever, it's just like, what was your life about? And I think I've, I've always tried to, to give them some substance in that. I think the shielding thing is probably even bigger than you're, I suspect, giving it credit for. Because I think a lot of folks who really want to do that thing you've described of focus and be great at a thing, and especially on the individual contributor track. The last thing they want is the business nonsense intruding, isn't it? It's, it's like, I want to do my thing here. And I think if they can trust you to take care of them, both in those bigger things, the reorgs or the you know, promotion rounds or whatever it might be, like say the money and, and, and that, the hygiene facts as well. But I think more importantly, the quality of the job and the, the role that they're being asked to do. If they can trust that, and that's kind of taken off the table, that is a huge mental weight lifted for those folks. This is perhaps a slightly tricky version of the question, but do you have any stories that you remember that you can talk about of times where you kind of had to put that shield up. Like, I don't know, maybe like there've been some bad results or something's not gone to plan or there's been a bad outcome from a particular initiative or a particular project and you've erected that shield around your team and how you were able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I want to say there's like, you know, key milestones or there are moments that that's happened, but I think that's happened probably a dozen times a day, right? It's at, at, at a micro level. It's just, just <laughs> yeah. You know, you're constantly having to earn your reputation. That's, that's one of the things I always instill in my team is you earn your reputation every day and you just can't cash in all the chips. You, you can 
that you can do that once, but you have to keep adding to the pile every day. I don't know. I think the biggest one for me, the one I think maybe I'm most proud of is it was actually at the last place at Paramount, which was Viacom CBS post merger. There was a huge investment into, you know, from broadcast and the linear model was the focus of the business. Then it came into streaming. You know, I think one of the smarter things that, you know, I, I had some influence on and, and made a choice for, for the broader team was one, let's go ahead and park ourselves under this streaming group. So fiscally, we had a, a shield above us while other parts of the business didn't have that. So again, fiscally from the top, we're going to be able to be at least resourced to go do what we need to do well, right? Like there's not going to be as much budget discretion. We, you know, you can, you can always make the case there's never enough total resources, but relative, we were in a good spot. And doing so, I also was able to align with, you know, one of the top executives that just, you know, who really saw our, the value of us on the media side. And he's just like, you know, you guys go do what you're best at. Same thing I'm saying. So you go do what you're best at. And at the level of competitiveness and the skill that y'all have, it'll take care of itself. Everybody will see the value. And, you know, there are times where, you know, you have to explain to broadcast folks the value of a search user. Well, again, it goes back to the educational component. But I was just like, you know, I just want the team to be good at what they're going to do. The results would speak for themselves. If I could just provide them that atmosphere to go do that, they went and expanded the, you know, the perimeter, so to speak, you know, far further than I ever would have thought of. And we, we also did a good job with that team. Is, okay, we, we went from being, pure media play to media and commerce, right? We, we really hung our hats. Like, well, if you're going to build a commerce business, where are you going to find a higher intended audience for the product than organic search? So I think that's the one I'm most proud of is, is you know, if, if I was ever able to buy us a little bit of time to reinvent ourselves, to become more aligned with the new version of, of a big, big company, you know, I think that's really where I, maybe I, I cashed in a, a lot of chips at once. But uh, the team made you know, all of us look really, really good on that one because um, when you have folks that are not only just talented, but also have, you know, it's a kind of a blend of we also have high IQ and high EQ and certainly a level of competitiveness underneath that, which I think all SEO people are really competitive at the end of the day. Mm. You know, you create these environments where the things that you may have to challenge or may challenge you now, those are going to be past you in six months, but you have a team that can adapt to the next thing and the thing in two years and five years and 10 years and so on. I think. Being able to build that roster is way more effective than building the thing that might make you look good right now. I always enjoyed calling it competitive webmastering. Yeah. You know, it, it is a bit of a throwback, but I think there is something fundamentally competitive about it, even though I've always believed that the pie can be expanded and you can find greenfield space to build on or you know, whatever yeah. metaphor you want to expand into. There are still times when, yeah, lots of people are searching for the same thing and you want your property to be the one that that wins out. So I think I think you're absolutely right about that. So one thing you mentioned that, that stuck with me was you mentioned the quote unquote top executive that you kind of aligned behind. What have you looked for in the folks you've worked for over the years? Like what is most important to you? In the same way that you said your, your team could go and get a paycheck, you know, a good one, many, many places. Yeah. You could also decide where you want to work these days. What leads you to choose one particular individual? They have to want to compete. Right. I'm very much, you know, if we want to go back to basketball, I'm very much an MJ and Kobe kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, this is inherent of a lot of us in, in the search and SEO worlds because we have a visible scoreboard in front of us every day. It's the savage level of competitive desire is attractive to me. And, and I think most of the, uh, and I haven't had that many bosses, I've been lucky and, and stayed around a long tenures in a lot of places, but they all have almost a savage level of desire for what they believe in. It may not always be pure monetary performance. It may not be, you know, surrounded by a 
you know, a single KPI or it's just, it's internal to them, right? It's, it's part of their soul. They have to believe in, in the mission that we're about to endeavor on together. And it's been different at every place and in different, you know, stylistically at every different place. But, um, you know, I look, you know, I look at Jim now and you know, you're, you're not going to find somebody as savagely competitive and with as much desire to transform this thing, I think. And he's done a fantastic job. He did it at the last place too, just getting a culture built around true desire to be something. And it'll, it'll be different every place. A lot of people, that doesn't exist. You'd be surprised at how many of these uh, you know, CEOs and senior executives just have a competitive desire to get paid, maybe. That's, <laughs> that's a nice perk of the job, but don't really truly believe in the mission. And mm. you know, the, the belief in the mission is, is something that's just it has to be there for me. Yeah. It has to be there for the folks that work for me too. Like if, if you don't believe in this, then don't get on the bus. What are we doing here? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because you mentioned the like MJ and Kobe side of things. You know, they, they were relentless individual performers, obviously in the pubs, and demanded greatness from those around them. One of the topics of conversation we've had a bunch uh, Aaron actually recently is about the building out of a high-performing team as it grows. And I feel like being competitive individually is a rare enough talent. Being able to bring your direct reports and your immediate team on that journey is rarer still. But the rarest is being able to build that out to influence a whole org, right? To people who don't even report directly to you. And there's an element of selection. You know, you need to pick the right people for that team or attract the right people to that team. But yeah, I mean, from Jim or from anyone else, like, what have you seen particularly make that difference in the, you know, the one step removed? So it's not just the ones who are having the one-to-one every week. Yeah, it has to be a culture. You can't, you, I mean, I guess at some level you can do it by yourself, but not, probably not for very long. Yeah, it's got to be a culture. It's got to be a, a depth of squad, essentially. So, you know, I think we always say, like, you know, A players can't tolerate B players. So you build out a roster from what you believe to be A players from the top down. You can't do it from the bottom up, in my mind. Like, you can get a bunch of A players at the lowest levels, and you want to absolutely have them. But if they're not supported by A players at the top level, they're going to run into a, a wall and get frustrated very, very quickly. And that'll have a very short lifespan. But when you have A players and these people at the top that truly believe in the mission, truly believe in investing and creating opportunities for everybody in their organizations. And you build a culture that is savagely competitive and understands the mission and desire. Man, those things are, are almost unstoppable, right? If you've got the products to go along with them. And we take that very, very seriously. And I, I very much feel like a good chunk of my job is building the culture and the way we look at things around here. You know, there's, there's, there's going to have to be a cultural shift too. And, you know, it's, we, you know when you think about Yahoo, over the last 10, 15 years, it's very much been, again, that's just, just like, let's try to hold on to this thing. And it's, that's just not how we look at things now. It's very much, let's push in the perimeter every day. This is, everything is growth. That's a different culture. And that's not to say that the past culture was the wrong one for what they were desired to do, but to affect and build a culture around here to do what we want to do and what we believe to be the current mission is there's going to be a transformation that, that has to happen there for us to be successful. And, you know, you can't do it one person, two people, 10 people. You've got to have that core group that pulls everybody along. And then you, you just notice over time that you're doing less pulling. And, uh, you know, it, it's got to be everybody if you really want something to persist. Yeah, and I guess not everybody will or, or will want to make that transition necessarily. But are you seeing a lot of folks energized by it? A lot of the, you know, the people who've been around for a while and under the old culture? you know, keen on this? 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got really lucky in having a, an organization of people that are one, very, very talented, right? So when you give talented people an opportunity to do what they're talented at, that automatically raises the level of excitement and enthusiasm. But I hope that over, you know, over time here, they're starting to also feel supported in doing that, right? And that it's a consistent thing. And, you know, I think there was obviously some very healthy skepticism up front because this has been a place where there's been, you know, tours of management teams coming through here. A lot of big talk, yeah. And I'm sure they've all said the same thing. Mm-hmm. They all have the same pitch early on as we probably made, you know, with their flavor of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, at least in my slice of the pie over here is at a minimum, I'm going to give talented people the opportunity to do what they're talented at. And I think we're seeing some really good early signs and signals that are confirmation of that. And not just both in terms of initial successes, but also the system is here to help. You know, the culture is going to support them. And going back to the earlier part of the conversation, that comes down to fundamentals, comes down to buy-in on that. And, you know, this thing only goes as far as the team can take it. And we got to build a really good team and support a really good team here. We've mainly steered away from talking too much SEO, but you did say at the outset, you start, you have an SEO org reporting to you. So you've also got the yeah. search org and an SEO team. And uh, that must be pretty daunting, I'm sure, reporting to someone who, who knows it as well as you do. With the level of altitude that you need to maintain in the role that you're doing today, what are you asking them to report to you on? What do you want to know day in, day out, weekly, or in like a quarterly review style? What's important to you? Yeah, so I got really lucky in this one in that I brought Brian LaFrance over to work on the team. So Brian used to run CBS Sports for me, then went to the, uh, the Athletic and, and the NYT for a stint before he came over here. So I've got somebody I've already worked with who's gone through this pipeline with me before. And you know, a lot of times it's like we can finish each other's sentences. You know, we just, we just know how each other works. So we've got alignment right off the bat there. He's also very, very good in and of himself, but he is also bringing in what I think you'll see are some other kind of first ballot Hall of Famers in the SEO world over here. Yep, I have no doubt. We had a Hall of Fame squad over at the last place, and we're absolutely going to do that and more over here. So it's always one of the more fun segues of, of the day-to-day for me is just going back and checking in on SEO. But I don't have a lot of concerns about that. One, we still have one of the biggest portfolios in the world on, on the media side. I think, again, they ran that from a very product-focused view previously, and we can come in as doing the things that we were successful in at the last place, layer that into what was you know good infrastructure, a lot of product. Uh, it's nice over here. We have engineers, you know, not many media <laughs> entities have enough engineers. Real engineers. Yep. Yeah. So we're, we're good on that front. So that one, I think, is one of the easiest ones for us to plug in and have immediate success in. And yeah, I selfishly, you know, I feel like I go back to my roots and just peek in on them from time to time. But they've got their version of refining and modernizing the Yahoo brand as well over there on the array of the portfolio brands that we have. But yeah, I just want them to do the same thing that we did last place, like compete. SEO is a very competitive and iterative thing. You know, people probably heard me say this a lot, but it's not just turning in your homework. That's middle innings is when you hit the publish button. And so what happens after that is usually a differentiator. We there's a lot of strong brands out there that we have to compete against. They're all affected too. It's just like how are we going to iterate and compete on whether it's something evergreen, breaking news, whatever. It's we are bringing in folks and a mantra that you compete and to do that you have to have uh, relationships and support with editorial, marketing, tech. Again, all the functions around the business have to be SEO too. And that's what that team's going to go do. It must be a ton of fun. It's always good bringing the team back together or getting great folks to work together. What's your week end up looking like? I mean, it's, you're in six months in, so I'm sure you're still kind of figuring this stuff out. But are you in a ton of 
meetings? Are you spending your time reviewing data? Like, yeah, how does, how does your week flow? Yeah, right now it's, I mean, we've just been through, you know, the whole strategic planning and budgeting season over here. So it's, it's been uh, uh, a lot of meetings and we're now getting back into just, hey, we get to go be the operators of all these products again, right? So like it's been back into the, the flow and getting back into the trenches. But yeah, it's you know, essentially a, a general manager is, is a micro CEO. Uh, this is my book of business, right? And we've gone to the GM model over here where, you know, my colleagues run their book of business too, underneath the broader book of business. And we have a lot of discretion on how we, we do that. So like I said, I'm still doing a lot of learning and refreshing and just getting, you know, understanding of this massive org that we've gotten and growing every day, you know, standing up an analytics group and set of capabilities that power that is a huge focus. Hiring, we're hiring. I know a lot of folks aren't. So holler at me if you want to come work over here. But <laughs> Getting the right people. It's like, it's just building the team, building the process, building the organization that can go do the things that we want to do. It's, yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm on, you know, Hangouts or Zooms most of the day, but, you know, at night, I, you know, get a few moments to myself. It's, let's look at the data. Let's look at how things are performing. Let's, you know, get ahead of uh, what we need to. What's the landscape? You know, how's that emerging? And, um, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like fun. Couple minutes left. Slightly lighter areas of discussion, potentially at least. But uh, what media are you consuming these days, professionally, but also outside of that? Like, what news sources do you subscribe to, and what do you actually find that you do open up and you do read, or uh, yeah, podcasts you listen to, whatever your your form of consumption looks like? Most of it, you know, just at a, at a personal level. Like, I've had a lot of these folks as clients over the years, so you know, whether it's I look a lot at Bloomberg just for kind of macro views on things. Also, some very talented, you know, kind of subject-specific writers over there that they provide not just commentary but insight. And, and I think that that's the thing I always seek these days. Is I mean, if if I don't know what's going on at this point, then I think Jim's made a bad bet on me. But what I, what I hope to is just like a diversity of opinions and insight as to how things may play out going forward. I, I always try to find those viewpoints. Uh, I think you know I've got a Twitter follow list that I've tried to curate over the years. That you know maybe that's part of the forum where those kind of insights and conversations happen, uh, which is interesting these days as they kind of also, you know, reinvent themselves a little bit. I read a lot of, I'll, I'll say, this, you know, I think you can say this for yourself as too. We know a lot of people. There are a lot of email groups that we may be part of just like, you know, within the industries or like-minded folks that like we get to curate what we're seeing mm. and, you know, absent of kind of the press view of things. It's like, what's happening on the ground? You know, so I think, there's just some conversational groups that you know, a lot of us participate in. It's like, okay, you know, frankly, maybe colleagues or competitors alike. It's just like, what's going on? What are you guys seeing? And, and you know, I think that's the kind of the early warning radar for me as to where we may need to steer these things. But yeah, I'm also a pretty decent financial background and just always, you know, at, at what we're doing now, just trying to understand like, you know, we've got huge, you know, forex exposure. You know, uh, as, as, as the dollar gets stronger, that impacts how markets play out for us internationally, and just trying to stay ahead of that, things like that. So it's it's an array of things. Will it's like you know, when I actually get a few moments to of spare time to, to crank into a podcast, it may be things around cars or sports or something like that, just just to zone out on. Back to your roots. Yeah, I don't have such a deep financial background, but I do enjoy reading Matt Levine on Bloomberg and his coverage of the ongoing Musk saga is some of the best takes I've seen on that. I also did see on Twitter, I think it was Patio11 had a great comment about, you've probably heard the saying, I can't remember who coined it originally, might have been Zuckerberg, that 
Twitter was the folks who accidentally drove a clown car into a gold mine. And Patio Eleven's comment in reply to Matt Levine was, they seem to have extracted the clown car. And now the business model is selling rideshare rides in the clown car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's such an interesting time. I've always felt like, you know, so Twitter could have been one of the greatest news products of all time. Still could. Yeah. Maybe it is. Let's see what it is. It's certainly, you know, it's interesting these days. We'll see where they take it and what they actually focus on in the product. But yeah, I mean, hard to beat the real-time component of that. And it's just, in my personal life, my father comes from an intelligence background, right? So I'm always looking for signal. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's not too hard these days to get a lot of signal, but to actually contextualize it and understand and act on it, you know, whether it's for work or, you know, investing, whatever it is, that's just always been, I think, one of those things that drew me to search originally. And, and uh, you know, we get a lot of signal and our ability to process and analyze that signal is, is truly what probably makes a difference in, in search. So I don't get to organize the whole world yet. I'm trying my best, but, you know, being able to organize my little personal life is hard enough. And uh, you just try to find the best signal you can, whether it's podcasts, news, friends, whatever. That's probably a good place to wrap up, but that's been a really fun conversation. Thank you for taking the time today, Brian. I'm looking forward to seeing what you achieve over there at Yahoo and who you hire. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up again sometime soon. No, I appreciate you having me on, buddy. It's good to catch up with you. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions about anything we discuss on the podcast, drop me a line by email at podcast at searchpilot.com or get in touch on Twitter, where I'm at Will Critchlow. This podcast is the business class lounge from Searchpilot. Searchpilot helps large websites prove the value of SEO by making SEO tests easier, faster, and more accurate. You can find out more about Searchpilot at searchpilot.com. Today's podcast was produced by Mark Cotton and hosted by me, Will Critchlow. If you enjoyed the conversation, please recommend it to a friend.